Hey, welcome. Hope that you're doing well today. And I just want you to know that God is on your side. And I want to encourage you that we're going to go over something in Scripture today that just is a tremendous blessing. And sometimes we have to inoculate ourselves with the truth of God's Word. The Bible says, Jesus said it himself, if you will know the truth, the truth will make you free. So I'm expecting that every time we share on this podcast that it's something, it's just a little nugget of truth that will inoculate you with faith and that will keep fear far from you. Sickness is like a, or disease is sickness that, you know, we want to keep out of our body and fear is like a sickness that we want to keep out of our heart. And so hopefully this will be a blessing to you. So the topic for today is the Holy Spirit. And I love the scripture uh, Jesus brings this up in John chapter 16. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And of course, we get more teaching about the Holy Spirit in the book of John than any of the other Gospels. And I think that um, maybe you know this or don't know this, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written um, probably 20, 25 years uh, before, or uh, yeah, before the book of John. So John had the advantage of seeing what they had already put in there. And I think after the church uh, had begun to develop, and now we've gotten a couple decades, uh, he really focused on some things that would really help us as the believers. So this is something that I find very interesting. Jesus said that it was better that he leaves, that the Holy Spirit can come. Now, I know if you can imagine Jesus saying that, here they are, they've been traveling together, they've been doing miracles together, Jesus is teaching, the crowds, you know, everything that's just so amazing about Jesus. And he's having this discussion with them in their private time, and he says, "It's I'm going to be leaving, which they didn't really accept that either. But he also said, and there'll be a comforter or a helper that will come, that the Father will send you in my name. And he made the the comment that he said, it is better for you that this happens. Now, I always, uh, and while I'm teaching in different groups, I've always asked the question, how many of you would like it if Jesus came and walked with you for a day? So let's just imagine this for a moment. How many of you would love it if Jesus could come and be with you for a whole day? I mean, he goes to work with you. He could go have family dinner with you. He could, um, you know, you could sit and talk or walk in a park and you could just ask him questions and you could do all the things. I mean, what would you do with Jesus for a day? And he would do anything you wanted. He would go anywhere you wanted to go. He, he would answer any question. And uh, of course, no, you probably raising your hand, say, yes, sum me up. And, and, and I would too. And all of my classes, I mean, it's, it's, unanimous all the time. I would love to have Jesus walk with me for a day. And then I asked, you know, really, do you? Because Jesus himself said, there's something better. The comforter will come. And it's better that he goes so that the Holy Spirit can come. So in the mind of God, the Holy Spirit coming to us was even better than him walking with us in the flesh. And so if you can grasp that thought, think about what that means. That in essence, everything that Jesus was with the disciples for that two, two and a half years of time on earth is what the Holy Spirit can do for us. And 
I'll just leave you with this thought. If you get to know him, if you take the time to understand how he works, you know, God has given us a divine guidance system on the inside of us. Not only do we have our spirit, which God speaks to us through our spirit, we also have his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which knows the mind of God right here on the inside. And so think about that and what questions would you ask Jesus if he was with you for a day? You can ask those same questions to the Holy Spirit. You know, what would you want to do, you know, uh, throughout the day? How would you want God to move, you know, go to work with you? Who would you want to talk to? Who would you want to introduce Jesus to? You know, who would you want in your family to be influenced by Jesus? And you could take all of those things and say, I have the Holy Spirit with me today. Can you imagine? Here's the scripture I wanted to share with you. Jesus is talking. He says, I did not tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to go to him who sent me, and none of you asked me where are you going. Rather, sorrow filled your heart because I've told you these things. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. For if I do not go away, the counselor, the helper, the the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world stands condemned. I have many things to tell you, but you cannot tell, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will tell you things that are to come. He'll glorify me, for he will receive from me and declare it to you. And listen to this, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. Now that's the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. Can you imagine this passage in in John chapter 16, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Think about all that that means. You know, we think about he comes a counselor. How many of you would love to have a counselor? He's right there on board. It isn't that he's not there. It's not that it's usually that we're unaware. Or what about this? He speaks all that he hears. Oh my God, he's right there. He has the ear of God and he speaks all that he hears and he tells us all the things about things that are to come. I mean, this is the privilege and the blessing of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. So think about that. It isn't a matter of him not doing his part. We just have to connect ourselves with him and allow him to do what he's here to do. He can counsel us. He can help us. He can comfort us. He can strengthen us. He can tell us about things to come. He tells us what's on the heart of God. This is what we should do. Number one, I would encourage you to begin right now and and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and do all the the things you're here to do in my life. And number two, I would go into the Word of God and begin to look for those scriptures that teach me about how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to catch all that He's trying to do. How does God communicate to you? It isn't an audible voice, and it isn't a vision or a dream. Those are just very seldom, but there is, a, there is a way God communicates to you day in and day out through the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you learn 
all of these things. And then always, always, always honor and respect the Holy Spirit. If you sense a leading on the inside, or you sense a prompting, or you feel a little check in your heart, learn to become sensitive to your heart. Become sensitive to the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Learn to respond. I remember when I was learning, I would get so frustrated because I would sense something, but I didn't know what. And the Lord, I asked the Lord, what do I do when I know something's up, but I don't know what, I, I'm not making a connection. You know, I, don't, I need, I need the, the understanding. And he told me to pray in the Spirit when I don't know what to do until it comes to my mental mind and, and I know what to do. So that became my habit. Every time when I'd sent something, I didn't know exactly what to respond or how to respond. I'd just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit until uh, it came clear to my mind. And still to this day, this is years and years later, one of my favorite things to do is just begin to, to pray in the Spirit because downloads happen to my mind that I'm able to know what to do or what to say or, or what is to come. And another thing to do when you feel a check in your heart, you know, don't just keep on going. Stop. I don't know how many times the Lord saved me from an accident or uh, or one time I didn't get saved from an accident, even though I had the check because I didn't follow it. Um, but God will lead us into safety. Um, sometimes he'll just come on us and, and we'll have a burden to pray and, and we can yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer or he'll warn me. Um, you know, like I'll be watching a movie and he'll say, just, he'll, I'll have a check. Don't watch that anymore. What am I doing? I'm learning how to follow and yield to the Holy Spirit because he's here to help me just like God promised. Uh, Jesus is the one that said this would be the best thing for me and for you. So I just want to pray at the end and encourage every one of you, open the door to the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. This was God's plan to make you strong and more than able uh, to, to handle your life and to do great things for God. God bless you. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've given us, but especially for the Holy Spirit. He's here to help me. He's my counselor. And you said it would be better that he came. So I thank you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Teach me how to listen to you, how to respond to you, and how to work with you. So, And all the folks that are listening, help us work with you every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, welcome. This is Dr. Dave Bush coming to you with <clears throat> Foundations Teachings, and I'm excited about this one. It's uh, Lesson 101, and uh, it's about the introduction to a discipleship journey. So I want to pray, and then I want to talk to you about uh, the value of your discipleship journey, whether you're just beginning today or you've been going for a little while. But, uh, you know, these Foundation Truths, some people say, well, this is new believers training. And I always laugh at them and say, you know, foundations means it's your foundation. It's the part that you're going to build the rest of your life on with God. And so never, never look at the foundations as new believer training. Let me encourage you. Uh, you should always come back to these thoughts. These are the key thoughts that build the foundation of your walk with Christ. And so every part of it, every, you know, dig into every piece of it, let God lead you, speak to you, and challenge you, even if you've been saved for a hundred years, uh, let God speak to you and challenge you in this time as we go through these trainings. Well, Father, I thank you for everyone that's hearing this today. We're excited about the truth 
The Bible says that we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. So we ask you for your leading, guiding, and direction. Help us today, Lord. Everyone that's listening to this has a heart to grow and get to know you better and walk in a way that's pleasing to you. So I'm asking you for revelation. I'm asking you for impartations and deposits to be made that'll make the difference to help us be the Christian that we want to be and you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I'm so excited as uh, in your book. If you have the book, if you don't, it's okay. Just take good notes. Uh, we're going to talk about the discipleship journey. So what is that word disciple? You know, it sounds like a, a, a good word, but what does it actually mean? And so there's a lot of things that, um, that we should understand about being a disciple. One, it simply means uh, learning to listen and obey the truth and, and follow the commandments that Jesus gave us. Uh, or following the ways of the teacher. And so if I give it to you that way, uh, everything in the Bible becomes part of your discipleship manual. And that's one of the, the greatest opportunities. So in this section, we're also going to talk about why we're here and uh, why we really need to pay attention to this concept of discipleship. Every one of us, uh, Rick Warren came out with a book not too long ago called uh, Purpose Driven Life. And talked about the issues that people struggle with. You and I struggle with, um, in, in any country in the world, we all struggle with the same thing. And I think that's why his book, uh, to, I think they sold millions and millions of copies of that book. So first of all, we ask the question, why am I alive? And the second one is, you know, an issue of significance. Does my life matter? And third is an issue of intention is what is my purpose? I think this is such a great opportunity to begin here because uh, all of these three these answers are found in God's five reasons for creating you and putting you on earth. God's purpose for your life and my life is far greater than we than just personally our own personal fulfillment, our own peace of mind, or even our own happiness. If we want to know why you were placed on this planet, you have to begin with God, and we were born by His purpose and for His purpose. So thinking like that, I want you to just begin right now. The enemy of your soul, which is the devil, hates you and does despises you and doesn't want you to, to, to walk in the plan of God. And there's a lot of reasons that we'll discuss at a later time, but your number one answer to him is he's a liar. And uh, I want to encourage you because everything the enemy says and he tries to defeat people with is a lie. And I want you to know uh, God has a plan for you, and it's a good plan. And he's willing to take you higher than you ever thought you could go. He's willing to take you as far as you could go, as you would want to go. I tell you, God is on your side, and he has set up the plan in your favor like you couldn't believe. There's only one thing that would keep you from doing what God has planned for you to do, and that is not understanding uh, his plan. <laughs> that is uh, not understanding his truth. And the enemy comes to try to steal that from you every single day of your life. So you're going to have to realize that up here in the beginning. In first, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That's from the Message Bible. I think that says it really well. Everything starts in God and finds its purpose in God. So you exist today, and God knew you while you were being put together inside the womb. 
you know, the, the beauty of that is so, it, it's the, the scripture like a, a weaver would weave a garment together, you know, the or a, a, somebody would put a tapestry together, uh, the intricacies of all the threads, and then it t- turns into this amazing work of art. Is a similar idea when it talks about God, uh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knits you together in the womb. And so never think that you have no purpose. Even if you have mistakes like we all have, even if you've really messed up like we all have, but by the grace of God, we'd all be a a true, you know, disaster. But God's grace is so powerful, so sufficient. He's able to help you and he's able to help me walk in his plan. So uh, how do we discover the purpose we're created for? Well, there's only a couple of options. You'll see it in your notes. First option is speculation. This is what a lot of people do. And the second option is turn to God has revealed about life in his word. So the first place you're going to learn about your purpose is in the word of God. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator. The same is true for discovering your life's purpose. Ask God. You can begin right now. Just Simply turn your eyes to heaven and say, God, what is your purpose for me? And I want you to know all of heaven and earth will turn and respond to you because God wants you to understand his purpose and plan for your life. He's he's clearly revealed it to us through the Bible. It's kind of like an owner's manual for life is what the Bible is. It's like your car has an owner's manual and, um, you know, you can choose to do whatever you want to do. It's your car. You can put gas in the oil spot. You can put water in the gas tank. You can do anything you want to your car. But honestly, you know, your car's not going to run well unless you follow the manual, follow the owner's manual. God gives an owner's manual for life. And so many times people are feeling like God tries to take all the fun out of life. Listen, He's not trying to take, you may want really, really, really bad to put water in the gas tank because that's what you want. But let me tell you, it's not going to cause your car or your life to run the way it's supposed to be. And so many times I think we look at God like he's trying to keep us from something. Let me tell you something. That is absolutely a lie. God is not holding back. He's got the best plan for you. He's got the best in life for you. He's got the most fulfilling possibilities for you. He has the exact plan that's going to cause you to be the most satisfied, fulfilled, and uh, fulfill your purpose like you can't even dream of. You can't even ask or think. God can do even beyond that. And so I want to encourage you, don't let the devil steal from you God's plan. Because, you know, you may start finding some things in the Bible that says, stop doing this, don't do that. And you may think, man, that's going to really limit what I think is good for me. Listen, my friend, you can never outgive God. You can never get past the plan that God has for you as the highest and the best for your and my personal life. Listen, if the Bible says don't do something, it's for your benefit. Let me tell you, God is never holding back. In fact, he created blessing. He created pleasure. He created all those things. The enemy only tries to get in to destroy it or counterfeit it. And don't ever think for one thing. If God says, don't do it this way, trust and obey and know that his way is the very best way. And I'm just going to encourage you to start right now. Even if you are fighting on the inside, just say, Lord, your way is best. I submit I surrender to do things your way. 
Ephesians chapter 111, again, the Message Bible, it says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard about Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. Isn't that good news? He had his designs on us for a glorious life. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and for everyone. So God has a good plan. It's going to be the best that you could ever dream of. In fact, beyond your ability to dream. And so I want to encourage you. So here's the five purposes that we talk about in your in discipleship journey. Number one, your plan for God's pleasure. That's purpose number one. Plan for God's pleasure. The first purpose of your life is two words, and that's God's pleasure. Uh, God wants you to know him and to learn to love him, and he wants you to know him and his love for you. Everything else is secondary. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to know his love. And there's a word for expressing our love to God, and it's called worship. Worship is expressing our love to God. And a lot of times you'll learn why do we have praise and worship? So praise is when we sing about God, but worship is when we sing to God. And so this is a thing that we want to do. Worship is living a life that's pleasing to God. You should set as your goal or think about this in your mind. Um, you know how we burn those things that are like incense, you know, and it causes a sweet aroma. Um or you you're you know you can have a bad aroma in your house too you know uh you know we we know the difference but i love i want my goal is that my life burns in such a way that it causes a sweet aroma to the to the nose of god and that's my love for him i want to create a sweet smell and there's ways to do that and i'll go into it later on in our discussions but i just want you to get a goal in your mind that your life becomes a sweet aroma to the Father as your act of worship. Number two, <clears throat> you're formed for God's family. Just as worship brings pleasure to God because he wants us to love him, fellowship with other believers brings God pleasure because we're formed for God's family. One of the most misunderstood ideas about the Christian life is that it's just a matter of believing, but that's not true. You are not just believers, you belong, you belong somewhere. You belong in the family of God. All kinds of scriptures explain the, how we are members with one another. We become a family with God as our father. And you know that the, the words one another, learning to, to serve one another, love one another, it's used 58 times in the, in the New Testament. So think about it. It talks about loving, caring, Praying, exhorting, encouraging, greeting, and on and on and on. God wants you to learn to be a one another centered person in his family. This is called fellowship. This is why the family of God or the fellowship of the believers is such an important part of the Christian's experience and its journey. A lot of people say, well, I'll just stay home and watch it on TV. Well, I think you get good you know, out of that. You, you certainly learn um, something about the Word of God, but how are you going to practice it? You know, you can't just practice at home. The practice of it is walking it out with other believers and um, being around other believers. I always laugh and tell people, if you're just starting in the church, I want you to know uh, you're going to understand that there are going to be family members 
that are going to offend you at some point. It's not a, a matter of if it happens, it's a matter of when. And so I want you to prepare right away that it's obvious that being around so many different people that things are going to happen. But the Bible says that you can forgive one another. So just pre-prepare in your mind that you're going to have to forgive people as you go along. But think about it. It's part of your practice and your training. How are we ever going to get ready to live in heaven if we don't start practicing while we're down here? And one of those big factors is forgiving. Purpose three I love. You are created to be like Christ. So think about that. You were formed in a family and God has created you to be like Christ. Jesus. That's called discipleship. He made you to transform you into a likeness of his son. Now, I could really take, I actually have a whole class on this one thought of who we are in Christ. But let me just encourage you like this. God has given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. And you have these promises from him. And you can use these promises to be to live your life the way he built you. And, and let me tell you, it is not a life of, of fear and worry. It's not a life of, of wondering if God loves you. It's not a life of, of being subject to the devil, having to be afraid of the devil. No, he wants you to be just like his son, Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus, can you imagine God has planned for you to live like Jesus did? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, and maybe you haven't read much yet, but have you ever read about how Jesus and the Father are one? How Jesus could pray and, and God would hear his prayers? How Jesus spent time fellowshipping with God? You and I have that same privilege. Purpose number four is we were shaped for him. And uh, so the good thing is we're created to be like him, as discipleship, and we also built to begin our own ministry. Every one of you has a ministry from the Lord. I, I don't know why he did it that way, but I guess it's because, so all of us have a part to play. And uh, know this, what is your ministry? That's when you help others. And uh, I love that because I know, and I've seen it happen many, many times, where people who didn't even know how to be used by God were used mightily by God. And so I want you to know that you're shaped for his service and that you are called into the ministry of reconciliation of other people to Christ. Also, God will give you responsibilities in the family, kind of like the kids, you know, all the kids have responsibilities in any family. The last one is made for a mission. You were put on this earth because you were made for a mission. Paul was extremely passionate about his particular purpose. He says in Acts 20, 24, The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord Jesus Christ gave me. Now, what is that work? His was to tell people the good news about God's grace. There's a word for fulfilling my mission. It's called evangelism. And that's one of the big purposes of each of our lives, that all of us become a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So why are we here? We're here for worship. Why are we here? We're here for fellowship with other believers. We're here for discipleship. We're here for ministry. And we're here for evangelism. There's five good reasons for your and purposes for your life. So every single day when you wake up, think about what can I, what purpose can I fulfill today? Can I worship? 
Uh, sure, do that every day. Can I fellowship? Can I be a blessing to others? Sure, you can do that. What about discipleship? Can I grow? Can I develop in obedience? What about ministry? Can I, can I be used of God today? What about evangelism? Can I be a witness for the Lord today? So what is it like to be, uh, what is a discipleship? It's to be like Christ, to be transformed to the likeness of his son. So that's our goal. And uh, we can help unbelievers become believers by showing them Christ. That is helping them become a disciple, one who follows and obeys the teachings of the Lord. We can help other believers grow to more and more maturity. Every one of you need to realize that God expects you to grow up and become mature in Christ. We'll go over that a little later, but that's making a disciple, helping someone become mature in Christ. And we can help, we can seek help from others to keep on growing. And that's what we want to always do. There's never a day to stop growing. We're going to keep on growing. That's why I say to you that have been saved for a long time, don't think you're done. Don't think you don't, you, there's not more room to grow. Uh, there's plenty of room. All of us can grow. Now, I love this scripture in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Man, isn't that a powerful scripture? How do people know that you're a disciple of Jesus? The Bible says they're going to know because of your demonstration of love for others. So just realize here, developing your love walk is going to become one of the greatest areas of growth for every single one of us. For many of us, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I had never even read a page in the Bible before. I knew nothing about God when I got saved. And yet he was still merciful and, and his power was great to save me. And I was saved and I was totally changed that first night. First thing I remember doing after I got home is I, I didn't want my my bottle of Michelob uh, that was in the fridge and I didn't want my weed um, to smoke anymore. I don't know, nobody said anything to me. I just knew that I didn't want it anymore. It's so funny that that was my first act, but I took those two bottles of Michelob and I dumped them in the trash and I took that weed and I crumpled it all. I, I, I crumpled it up and, and got rid of it. And I, I just knew that I needed to get rid of that. But little did I know that I was going to be shown so much love. I, I was kind of messed up because of all the things that happened in family and, and things like that in my first 18 years. I, I was pretty broken up and you know, not knowing about forgiveness, I never forgave anybody. And um, I never asked anyone to forgive me for my actions. And so there was a lot that I had to learn. So I, I, I started on a crash course of learning how to follow uh, the teachings of the Bible. But that was one of my greatest experiences, the love that I felt from my fellow Christians, from my leader of my cell group, uh, from so many. I mean, it was such an acceptance and uh, I, I tell you, it affected me so much that after I got going a little while, uh, one of the first responsibilities I took on in the church, my first ministry, if you will, was helping other people feel welcome in the church like they made me feel. Honestly, that was my job. It was like a, a, a greeter position, but it was as I would see people come in, if I could tell that they were first timers or whatever, or didn't have any friends, I would go grab them, sit with them, and then introduce them around. 
uh, that became my first ministry as a new believer because I wanted them to experience the love that I had felt. So I want you to understand uh, love is such a powerful word. And there's a word in the scripture called agape. It's a Greek word, agape. And reason that they have a word, it's kind of like the God kind of love. You know, there's there's other kinds of loves. You know, you can say I love a hamburger or I love my girl, my wife or my daughter uh, or my husband or my son. Uh, there's those kinds of loves. But the love that comes from God is called agape love. It involves faithfulness. It involves commitment. It involves active will. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, this kind of love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. This kind of love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never fails. I tell you what, that's a tall order. But the good news for you to know today as you begin to follow in the ways of the Lord and begin to walk out his purpose for your life, you're going to find that the love, God, the love of God is in you already. He put his nature inside you. So it isn't a matter of going and finding it. It's already in you. It's a matter of letting it out. Uh, sometimes you're going to have a battle between your mind and your heart. Your heart's going to say love and your mind's going to say, I'm not loving that person. No way. Or that person hurt me. I'm not going to love them. But God will have a way. The more you yield to your spirit on the inside of you, the new man that's on the inside of you, the better you are going to walk in the ways of the Lord. So I want to uh, share with you one last thing. What the term the disciple, it's, it comes from um, a Greek word, which means pupil of a teacher or an apprentice. So thinking like that, a disciple... Uh, is becoming the mirror image of the teacher. So here's your goal. Here's your here's your plan. You can start praying now. If you're beginning today or you've been at this for a while, how about this? Are you a mirror of Jesus in the earth right now? Oh, I know that for me that's a tall challenge, but don't ever don't ever give up on this. God's created everything you need and given you everything you need to do this. You can be a mirror you can be the reflection of Christ in the earth. Don't just know about Jesus. Ask him to work in you in such a way that you really become his disciple or his image in the earth. Be his mirror. Uh, be his reflection uh, in the earth. People need to see him. They need to know him. They need to know that he loves them. And so what better way for us to express him than to share our love with them, uh, share our love of the love that God has given to us with them. And so that's the point today for discipleship. So it's a journey. And obviously, if I'm telling you, it's you're going to need to become like Christ. <laughs> a lot of us are going to think, oh my God, how is that ever going to be possible? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little secret here right at the end, and then we'll pray. But you remember Mary, um, and then uh, she she responded uh, when when the angel told her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. And she says, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't even have a husband. And um, But she makes a comment and she says something very, very powerful. 
after that. She said, I don't know how that's going to work. And a lot of us, a lot of us do that with God. It, it's like someone says to you, you're going to be like Christ and you're going to go, you got to be kidding me. Let me just say this to you. Always agree with God, even if in your mind, you don't know how it's going to happen. You know, Mary couldn't conceive how this was going to work. The angel says, you're going to carry a child. And she says, I'm not even, I'm not even married. And so she, even though in her mind, she says, I don't know how that's going to work, but her heart spoke. And she says, however, whatever you say, let it be to me. And I want to encourage you to be that kind of person. You know, Zacharias heard a word from an angel and he said uh, that his wife was going to have a, a John the Baptist. And he said, no, there's no way that can happen. I'm old. My wife's old. And, you know, John the Baptist was born a year later. And all that time, Zacharias could not speak because he went against the plan of God and, and the very clear word from the angel. And uh, so I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be like Mary, where she says, I don't know how, but whatever you say, let it be. And you may say that, I don't know how I'm going to be like Christ. Boy, I'm so far on the other side of that coin. But let me just say to you, God has spoken a word and he said that you will become like him. He wants you to become like him and he has given you everything you need to become just like him on the earth. And so I want to encourage you to just say along, maybe you don't know how it's going to work out, but begin to just declare it. I'm going to be exactly like Jesus. Even if your head says, ah, ha, ha, ha. even if other people say, yeah, right. You say it with your heart, with faith, God, here I am. I surrender my life to you. Let me be everything you want me to be. And I'm, I thank you that I will be exactly like Jesus on the earth. I'll be a, a clear, exact reflection of Jesus in the earth by your grace and by your power. Now, if you think that's not possible, think about Paul for a second, who was a guy that was out there persecuting the church. He was killing people uh, because they serve Christ. And the Bible says, he changed. And he says, it wasn't in my own ability. He says, I am what I am by the power of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. And so I want you to be encouraged. You may think it's impossible, but listen, the power of God is more than your and my impossibility. You can be like him. So you have a purpose and your purpose is awesome. And God's going to use your life and he's going to make you and help you be just like Christ. People are going to see Jesus because they've come in contact with you. So Father, we just come into agreement today that the will of the Lord be done in all of our lives. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for the honor of being saved and being your nature put on the inside of us. We thank you for the purpose of worship, for the purpose that we have of fellowship, for the purpose of discipleship, becoming like you, and for our ministry and for our evangelism, our witness to, of others. And so I'm asking you today, grant us all grace to accept this truth that we're destined to be like Christ on earth. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the devils and the lies of the devil and all that came from our past. And we declare the will of the Lord be done. We'll be just like 
Jesus. In Jesus' name, I ask, amen. Well, bless you. I hope this was a blessing to you. Please feel free to share this with someone else that you know that's trying to build their foundation to be strong in the Lord. And then, you know, I have another goal for you. I, I want you to think about becoming a teacher of these truths because everyone uh, in, that's part of God's family uh, is going to be called to be a witness, number one, and also to be a disciple maker, number two. So just go ahead and ask God to help you be used by the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello again, and we are now with Foundations Lesson Number 2. And always very excited about this lesson because it talks about our new life in Christ. And whether it's new life like brand new or new life in uh, you've been walking with Jesus for many years, uh, it's always good to go through these scriptures because not only should we be uh, more aware of them ourselves, uh, where we came from, but it's also part of the uh, opportunity for us to share this with others. And so I want to encourage you to set a goal to share something about Jesus with someone today or tomorrow. You know, each day that we live, let's let's do our best to be a, a good witness for the Lord. I know sometimes when I say that, people, uh, you know, we sort of clam up and, you know, oh, I'm not very good at that. And uh, so don't don't make it about you. Make it about the persons and the people that we're living around. And if you don't have the uh, courage, like, you know, right now, I don't think I have the courage. Ask the Holy Spirit to do this in you to uh, just help you be a witness about what God has already done for you and uh, in some way, shape or form throughout the day today. And so I know sometimes it feels like we're awkward. It puts us out there. Uh, you know, people may respond negatively, but just remember uh, you can share your testimony in such a way that people will find it more, <coughs> excuse me, more uh, accepting. It's, I think it's sometimes the way we approach people. It's almost like we we stick our finger in their face and we tell them they need to to believe what we believe. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not how God won me over. Uh, the gospel was presented, or the opportunity was presented. I made the choice to take hold of it. And sometimes I think if we come with a gentleness of heart and a, a spirit that just is caring and loving and not pushy, uh, I think we'll find a, a lot more results in, in a positive way. Listen, if you offer to pray for somebody or offer to uh, you know share a testimony about somebody, sometimes it's just your people skills, but most of the time I've found people are ready and willing to be prayed for and to uh, to hear something that's positive. I started doing something I, I've enjoyed. I had all these little books about the Lord and different subjects. So uh, in sit, you know, people I didn't know, some I didn't know, but I, I'd flip out three or four of the books, kind of fan them, and I'd say, hey, I got a positive message for you. Which one would you like? I mean, I don't think anybody has ever rejected me. Uh, they grabbed a book. And uh, there's a message in their hands, but it always opens the door for me to talk a little more about uh, what it's about or what Jesus has in store for them or, or something. And so one girl chose um, keeping your miracle, and that has become an opportunity for me to share uh, a couple of different things, but specifically right on into uh, the message of, of the gospel and how I got saved and so oftentimes, if we take a gentle approach and, and you know, 
think about the salesperson that approached you. Which ones do you like to listen to and which ones don't you like to listen to? The ones I can't stand are the pushy ones that are just don't care anything about how I'm feeling, thinking, or no, they're not paying attention to me at all. They're all about their message and what they're selling. And of course, those are the ones we push back on. And so the ones that seem to be genuine, seem to be caring, and seem to be interested in me and what, what I need uh, are the ones that I typically appreciate. So consider that when you're sharing about your life in Christ. But these scriptures that we're going to go through today are some of the keys to uh, what we would call the uh, gospel script, if you will, uh, the things that we should, could talk about to people to lead them to Jesus. And so as we go through it, be thinking as a receiver, but also as a, as someone who freely receives, freely gives this information. So let's pray. Well, Father, I'm grateful for these that are online with me today and uh, listening to this message. And always, it's always awesome to pray, to seek you, to love you, to understand your will for our lives. And I'm just asking for your grace to teach this message and share it and, and may it ignite on the inside of all of our hearts. We ask for your grace to understand it. Holy Spirit, teach us from these truths and help us and grant to us the revelation that we need to change our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. We love you so much. We're so grateful for your work that you've done for us and help us walk in everything you died to give us. And Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we bless you today in Jesus' name. All right, so we're going to be talking a little bit about God's plan has always been to rescue you. And I love this. Uh, Jesus was able to restore the relationship to God because he's both God and man. And there's a lot to explain on this, but to say it simply, the scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through, all, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so verse 14 says, The word, which was Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, who was full of grace and truth. So boy, talk about getting some doctrine in this verse, but goodness gracious, the Word of God, Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So this is talking about Jesus. So think about that. Jesus became flesh to rescue us. And this is what's so amazing about this rescue. It was an incredible rescue. Think of all the movies we've watched where there's a rescue and, and all that the people go through to get the rescue accomplished and the risk that they put in and and, 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 and the, the places they put themselves, and it's out of their desire to rescue the ones who need rescuing. And so I love this you know, image in my mind. Jesus put at great risk, put himself out there to, to, to all that happened, but he did it on behalf of you and on behalf of me. The above text describes uh, that the Word was in the beginning. So Jesus was with God at the beginning. And through Him, all things were created. What a beautiful thing. He is life. He is the light of mankind. He shines in the darkness, and the doctor, darkness can't understand Him. He dwelled among us. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see 
the Son. And Jesus said, what I do is an exact representation of the Father. In Hebrews, it talks about that. It says, Jesus was the exact representation of God. So if you want to understand the heart or the mind of God, you just look at Jesus. He was an exact representation. He came from the Father, and He was full of grace, and He was full of truth. So He was able to rescue us from eternal punishment. Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now that's, that's pretty much where all of us stood. Without Christ, we had sinned. We'd, we'd broke the mark. Some people say, well, I've been a good person. Listen, let's, let's just qualify that. Have you ever lied? And most of us will have to raise our hand and say, yeah, I've lied. Well, then you broke the law. You've sinned. And you fall short of the glory of God. You do not meet the criteria to go to heaven. Now think about, uh, have we? has any of us stolen anything? And many of us will have to raise our hands. Yes, we've stolen. So we broke the law. Have we taken God's name in vain? Well, yes. Then we broke the law. We are all guilty. And we've sinned and we fall short. We will not be able to go to heaven. But John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And so the rescue is we're all doomed. We're going to hell in a handbasket, as they say. We're guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. And But the Bible says if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he becomes sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So who gets eternal life according to John 3.36? I get eternal life if I believe in the Son. So a better way to explain that is, in essence, Jesus becomes the substitute for me. He dies in my place. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that they used to sacrifice animals. uh, And this was sort of a substitutionary death because of sin we're supposed to die. That's what it means. The, the laws of justice have been uh, set, and, and if, we, if we break the law, we have to die. And so the, the claim that I'm a good person, you know, maybe you're not, uh, you know, somebody that's, that's so evil that's killed many hundreds of people, but you're, you and I still have sin, and, and if we really looked into it, we have lots of sin that make us guilty. And so no one really is going to stand before God and say, I was a good person. Uh, it's only a, a, a mind or a thought in our mind. But because when you really get it down to the letter of the law, we're, we're all doomed. We have to go to, uh, we're not going to make it to heaven. So, but we have good news. Jesus, uh, in John 3.16, this is one of the most beautiful scriptures to read to ourselves and to others. God so loved the world all of us that were fallen in sin, and he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his own son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world or rescue us through him. So whoever believes in him is not condemned. So if you believe in Jesus, you are not condemned anymore. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So this is the verdict. The light has come in the world, but people love their darkness instead of light based on their because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So from this, we can ask this question, who loves us? Well, God does. God so loved us, me, you, he loves you. How much? To the point when he risked it all, he gave his only son. And the benefits of accepting Christ, we shouldn't look at what we give up. We should look at what we gain. Number one thing that we gain is we will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what that means is we will not die the second death. We will not die forever. Even if we lose our life on earth, if you have Christ in your heart, the Bible says you don't, you will have eternal life, which means you'll live forever. So don't fear the first death, as the Bible says. Fear the second death. That's when we go into eternity without God. Jesus has rescued, has rescued you to become God's child. So John 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. So he gave us that. I want you to know that's been given to you. You know, instead of telling people they're going to hell, which I don't agree with that, uh, I think most of us kind of understood that even before I knew the Lord, I kind of figured that's what I'd end up. But we should talk about what God is offering. He wants to restore our um, sonship. He wants to restore our dignity. He wants to restore our position with him. He wants to make us one of his children. And how do you get this? You know, it's right there. How do we get it? We receive him. We believe in him. And we confess him as our Lord. Now, some would think, well, that's, that seems pretty simple. Uh, it's simple. Yeah, it's simple to receive. You know, you ask Jesus into your heart and ask him to forgive you of all your sins and he'll do it. Boom, it's done powerful. I mean, I got changed. I, when I was in uh, September 9th, 1981, I asked Jesus into my heart and I walked out of that room changed. I was literally changed. Something had drastically changed. I knew it. I could feel it. And then I began to walk out that change. I began to live my life under the Lord. I began to more and more commit myself to obeying him and following his ways he had a new plan for my life. You know, the scripture says that we must be born again. So what happens when we get born again is what happened to me is when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, my spirit man, which was dead to God, became alive or became born again. I was now aware and awakened to God and his Holy Spirit inside of me. He gave me a brand new nature. Now, it would take me a while to, to help you understand the significance of this, but think about it like this. Something, whereas before I just followed the impulses of my flesh, now, and, and just yielded to whatever came, now I can follow the impulses of my spirit, the new spirit, new nature on the inside of me, which is created in God, by God, so that I can be and act in the will of God like he's planned for me. And so when you think about it, what he did was he said I needed to be born again. I became a brand new man. You're a brand new man or woman. You are not like you were before. He changed something on the inside. 
Now, you still got to renew your mind and you still got to train your body to follow this new way. Let me tell you, before I even got out of the prayer room after accepting Jesus, I still had thoughts go through my mind that weren't very uh, godly or holy. And I still did things that wasn't as perfect or godly as holy. But as I grew closer to the Lord, uh, more and more, my thoughts cleaned up and my actions cleaned up because the, the change that he made inside me began to work its way outside of me. Or kind of like a seed, when you plant a seed, you know, for a while you don't see much change, you know, just you put the seed in the soil. But something very miraculous takes place and that seed cracks open and begins to grow a brand new plant. And before long you have a big plant with all this uh, produce on it, you know, new fruit starts coming out. And that's what it's kind of like. God sows a powerful seed inside you and then it begins to come up and begins to be exposed through your words, through your thinking, through your actions, uh, through your life. And you begin to have a different desire, a different uh, motivations, different things that you want to do. I know for me, it was very interesting because uh, I was an avid drinker, unfortunately. Uh, I smoked pot. I was, uh, you know, 18 years old and and really kind of going in the wrong direction, uh, getting in fights and and, uh, doing things that were problematic like that. But when I, that night I got saved, I came home that night and I didn't want that alcohol or that weed anymore. In fact, they ended up in the trash can that very night. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody changed me. Nobody said, hey, here's all the rules. You know, no, it just something inside me didn't want that anymore. And I gave it up. I let it go. And um, now other things took a little longer, like my anger. I had a tremendous rage, raging anger. Uh, I was like a walking, I don't know if you ever remember that old cartoon, The Tasmanian Devil, where you could immediately turn into this firestorm. I kind of was like that, but um, God was able to help me with that uh, through renewing my mind with his word and beginning to live uh, life according to him. uh, He was able to conquer that in me. And so I want to encourage you, if you've been born again, you're like a newborn spiritual babe, but you're going to grow. And uh, the Bible says you're going to need to take the time with God, uh, learning Him, understanding Him. And He gave you the Bible to uh, really give you a leg up. You know how you give somebody a leg up or reach down, pull somebody up. You have this Bible that is like spiritual food. And that's why we in church talk about it so much. And we, we, we try to teach people the God's principles. And don't ever let anybody tell you if you live as a Christian, you got to give up a lot. Listen, you're not giving up anything. You really, I've learned, I used to think that. I used to think, boy, living like a Christian really gives up a lot of my fun, I used to think. But I realized as time went on that I wasn't giving up a thing. I was gaining the best that God had for me. And a lot of things that, that I had to give, you know, get rid of or put out of my life, they were destroying it or stealing from me, and I didn't even know it. I thought I was doing all this because it was it was good, you know, something I wanted. And I realized that wasn't really what I wanted. I didn't want that, which um, what I thought I wanted, I didn't really want because it kept leading me to the wrong places. Sometimes we have to realize that. Most of the things that we want to do, um, we have to check that want into the Word of God and and begin to say, wait a minute, is this really what I want? Because what is the end of that? You know, uh, it is so interesting to study the consequences when people start here and they end up here. And I can tell you from my own life, God's, God's truth 
and, and the ways to do things. He wants to give me his best. And he gives me his word and it says, obey my word and follow me and I will lead you to, to the best in life. And he has. And God wants you to have that. And so as a loving father, you know, he wants, he shows you boundaries. You'll find some boundaries. He says, stop doing this. Stop doing that. You'll find these boundaries, but they're not for his benefit. They're for ours. So best way I can explain this is think about a, if you have a five-year-old child and let's say you put some boundaries. One of your boundaries is you can't play in the street. And uh, why? Because you as a parent know that if that little, my five-year-old comes in contact with a 4,000-pound vehicle, my five-year-old is going to be harmed. Now, my five-year-old might think that I'm limiting him and that I'm, you know, keeping him from having fun because obviously playing in the middle of the street is the most fun thing he could ever want in his life. And yet, when you really think through it, playing in the middle of the street isn't, it may seem like it's fun, but it's, it could have tremendous consequences. And so that's what we're trying to, God does. I think God is the one who sees us. We say, Lord, I want to play in the middle of the street and we want to do this and we want to do that. And the Lord says, no, it's the consequences are, are too damaging. And so sometimes we got to turn that around when the enemy tries to tell us that we're losing out. Don't fall for it for one second. Everything God tells us to do is for our good. Just keep that in mind. So learn to connect with those uh, these new things. Now that you've been born again, stay in church because what happens when you're in church? Number one, you're meeting new people that are going to uh, also are learning to walk with God. And don't think everybody's at the same level. Some people are growing a lot and they're really close to Jesus and they act like him. And some haven't grown very much at all. And even though they are at church, they haven't learned to act like Jesus yet. So don't be surprised if you see a little of both. Uh, you have the privilege now to spend time with God. And um, I know that takes some time to learn. But, you know, thinking about it, uh, spend time just being quiet before God, worshiping God, praying, praying out what your needs are. But always remember to pray for other people's needs as well. Uh, you get to learn how to connect with God in these different ways. Uh, also, find somebody that really you believe does connect with God and, and ask, hey, can I sit with you? Can, I, can you teach me what you know? That'll help you along as well. Now, this whole thing about being per, having a personal relationship with God, we really talk about this a lot. And I want you to know, um, you do have this right. Uh, there's more that I could teach on this, and I will when we get to those lessons. But God's plan in, from the beginning was to have a personal relationship uh, and communion with you, and that you will become more and more like Him the more time you spend with Him. So think about it. Your purpose uh, is to become like Jesus, uh, to be like Christ, uh, to walk in the ways of God. It's such a beautiful thing. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in the mir a mirror the glory of the Lord, are to being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. Transform means to make a thorough, dramatic change to be like Christ. Paul prayed uh, in, his, in his, uh, some of his letters. He told us about his prayers. First, he would pray for people to accept Christ and receive him into their heart. But then he would pray for Christ to be formed in them. So it's like the beginning was get saved, but that's not the end. 
but we also need to get uh, be conformed and, and, and to let God's image be formed in us so people can see Jesus. Really, I love the ones that say, you're the only Jesus somebody's going to see. And so how much we should give our time to letting him transform us so that we do look and act like the God that's on the inside of us. I always find it funny when our kids try to imitate us. You know, it's kind of an eye-opening experience sometimes too. But, you know, why do they do that? Because they see us and they want to be like us. And uh, so I think that's a great way to think about it. We're going to spend time with God. We're going to get to know God. Kind of like the way we get to know a person. We're going to spend time with Him. Uh, when we're happy, when we're going to spend time, when we're sad, we're going to spend time when we've done right, when we've done wrong. The greatest thing I heard is, uh, cause I used to, whenever I'd mess up, I'd always kind of hide from God. You know, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to Bible study cause I'd messed up and, you know, I thought for sure God was mad at me. And then I heard somebody say something on a radio one time that helped me so much. He says, when you blow it, when you sin, don't run from God, run to him. And that was such a mind opening it just blew my mind i could talk to god about my sin i could go to god when i'm failing and uh yes by all means god is not uh religious in the sense that it's not all you know letter of the law he is a god of mercy he's a god of love and he will help you uh you will sometimes you'll laugh and sometimes you'll weep with him sometimes you will have you know that whole idea of you know, pouring out your heart before the Lord. And sometimes you're going to pour out an angry heart. You're going to pour it out a sad heart, but all of it is unto the Lord and let him pour back into you. Think about this. A man is known by the company he keeps. And I want to take hold of this relationship I can have with God and make him part of my daily life. And the number one thing I love doing every day is meeting with him. Uh, It's a privilege. It's an honor. And it's my most important appointment of every day. I want to honor him by by seeking him first, by asking him to know his thoughts and and, and what his heart is for that day and, and what his guidance would be for that day. He loves it when we fellowship with him, when we talk to him, when we share our life with him. And this is something that he sought for from the beginning. He wanted to commune or take time and be with us. Now, we were rescued from eternal punishment. We were rescued from having to go eternity in hell. Unto, we were rescued from hell unto a relationship with God. What a privilege this is. And, and I, can't even, I can't even take, I can't even find the best words to say, Oh my gosh, we have been given the greatest of gifts. You may not understand that now. You may not even feel it now. But take it to somebody who has been serving the Lord for 39 years now. He has done me nothing but good. He has led me to many, many truths. He has helped me through countless situations. And he's always been faithful to care for me and love me. Most of the time, if if there was separation, it was because I left him. He never left me. So I would encourage you to really nurture your personal relationship with God. Um, Some people take a couple of years. I I know for me, I just sort of got like in a cocoon in church. I was at every service that they could possibly have. I was there. I was at cell group. 
um, spending time in the Bible. I read my New Testament through three times in about three months uh, because I couldn't do, I just couldn't get enough. Uh, I wanted to know him. I wanted to understand everything. And uh, so I learned to include him in my daily life. I learned to set a particular time to spend with him. Uh, but as you'll learn, there's you don't just turn him on, turn him off. I, I have a time with him in the morning where it's devoted to just being quiet and reading my Bible and praying and you know fellowshipping with him, worshiping some. But I keep him close all day long. I'm always talking to him. Uh, have devotions like you know, have a set time to read the Bible where, you know, you're actually going to read a certain amount of, of scriptures. Uh, the more you can read, the the better you're going to understand and walk with the Lord. And so whether this has been a first time teaching for you or a good reminder, let it all, let all of us be admonished. Our greatest prize is, since we've been born again, is our relationship that we can have with the Father and um, with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that is the greatest of gifts. It is more, it's more valuable than anything we can possess here on earth. There is nothing greater than that privilege. And um, no matter what you're going to get, no matter what you have, no matter what your, your bank account looks like, listen, my friends, it all pales. The number one thing we, we can enjoy is fellowshipping or spending time communicating with God. And that means you talking, but it also means him talking. That means you sharing your heart, but then letting him share his heart. And he wants to. He, he loves having children. In my last thought, I want to share with you, I have children. I have three. And uh, as a dad, I've grown over the years. I've, it's been lots of different things, a lot of incredible times. But I've come down to this. I've spent a lot of times doing a lot of things with my kids. But you know, one of the most valuable things to me is when we just when they share their heart or they share their day or they share what's going on with them. Um, I love that. I really, really, as a dad, I love that. And sometimes I have to remind them they get so busy and they get so caught up and uh, I have to say, Hey, one of the most important things to me, you know, uh, like they always ask me, what do you want to do for your birthday? I usually say, I just want to sit and talk and, and let's play a few games and, and just hang out. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to do anything. I just want to be with you. Why? I'm a dad. I love them. And I love everything about them. I love what goes on in their lives. I love, I want to know their thinking. I want to know how they're feeling. I want to know. And you know, even though the father knows this about us, because he knows the hairs on the head uh, of our head, uh, he still delights in our fellowship. And so remember that. Keep in mind, uh, he's the Lord of your life. And let's just make him first. We've been rescued from hell, but we've been delivered to heaven. And God, part of that starts right now, walking with him daily. God bless you. Father, help us understand all these things we just talked about today. What an incredible gift that you opened the door for us to spend time with you, the creator of the universe. So we're love, we love it. We thank you for it. And help us never forget it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless you. I'll catch you on the next lesson.